Everything you need to know and more about heating and cooling, electrical, garage doors and plumbing is right here, right now on the Absolute Home Service Podcast. Hello again, I'm Vince Hauser. I'm the owner at Absolute Services and uh, we are thrilled that you're joining us for another episode of the Absolute Home Service Podcast. Um, I am uh, one of the co-hosts. I'm here with James McCarter, who is the other co-host. Today, we're going to be interviewing uh, Josh Branningham. He is a uh, home insulation expert. Uh, owns a company by the name of Builders Insulation. Um, they service the same service area that uh, Absolute Services does, which is all of Metro Louisville, Metro Lexington, and Metro Elizabethtown. And I believe they actually go a little bit further out, but that covers all the area that we're in. So um, anyway, we're going to be discussing uh, insulating new homes and uh, and existing homes and what you need to uh, look for with insulation and what your options are. All right, Josh, you want to introduce yourself to our audience and uh, and then we'll get started. Yeah, thanks, Vince. And thanks for having me here today. It's a It's a pleasure to be here and talk with you guys. As you already mentioned, um, own and operate Builders Insulation. Uh, we're based here in, in, in Louisville, but I grew up in Elizabethtown. Uh, that's that's what I call home, and, and we service here, there, and, and as you said, um, far and wide around the state of Kentucky. Uh, I've been doing this uh, for a long time. My dad uh, got me into this industry. He's a custom home builder and uh, always has put a big emphasis on energy efficiency uh, making his homes as comfortable as he can. And so when he had had struggles getting qualified installers to come and do spray-on insulation, he just decided to start his own company. So he helped me start that when I was just, just out of high school. So I've been doing it for a long time ever since then. So he pretty much made you do it for his own pretty, purpose. Pre- pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and there were, there were times where I wasn't sure that was the right career choice, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like it all worked out for the better, though. Yes, it did. Well, so, you know, like we were saying, the, the, the purpose of this podcast here is to, you know, better educate homeowners that way that they know what their home needs, what kind of maintenance they need, uh, what we're looking for, what type of services that, you know, the home requires every year. Um, so I guess the first thing about um, um, what you do with Builders Insulation is what is the first thing that us as homeowners need to know about insulation? I would say that if you're an existing homeowner and you own a home that's over 10 years old, um, I can almost guarantee you, A, that you need more insulation, uh, and that, B, it's a good idea for a lot of different reasons for you to go ahead and upgrade that. All right. And what type of, uh, what type of insulation, um, when you say you need more insulation, why would you need more insulation um, if we have an older home? Did they, was the insulation just not the same? Has it changed over the years? Um Yes, and, and, and that's a kind of a twofold answer. You know, A, you know, insulation, it degrades, it deteriorates um, over time. Past, they used a lot of paper-based insulation products as well as fiberglass. And both of those, um, the fiberglass, they used binders that didn't hold up. And so as, as time goes on, those have, have lost their integrity. And that insulation has lost a lot of its R value. The paper-based products like you'll find in your attic, which is namely cellulose, it's paper. So it biodegrades in the heat and the humidity rather quickly. Um, and they say that you know cellulose insulation after about five to eight years has lost about 30% uh, of its R value. So by upgrading it, you know, you can 
you know, improve the comfort level in your home, but also uh, improve the efficiency. Or you you just hit on a you just hit on a big one with me with with that trans. Uh, uh, transposes itself over to the garage door side of absolute services is where I'm at. Um, our value. What is that? Basically, um, the best way I've heard it explained um, that made sense to me was they rate our value. It is the time that heat moves through a product. So like in the lab, uh, I, I saw this test done uh, with a fiberglass piece of insulation. They set a heat source on one side of it um, and then in a, in a laboratory condition where wind is not a factor, it's just, just radiate, they, they measure the time the heat moved from one side of that fiberglass piece to the other side. So when, that, when the thermostat on the other side of that product started to tick up, they stopped the time. So for, a, you know, the most common fiberglass bat is an R13 bat. That's what we use. We've always used in exterior walls for years and years and years. 13 is basically 13 minutes. It took 13 minutes for that heat to move through that product and start to raise the temperature on the other side. So it's almost like a thermal efficiency type of thing. Exactly. The yeah. R really stands for resistance. Yep. Just, um, but, you know, one, one thing you mentioned there in that, in that first answer was uh, – you know, that you almost guarantee that I need more insulation. So I, I am the average homeowner. How in the world am I going to know whether or not I need insulation? Well, I mean, if you're in doubt at all, the first thing you can do is you can call us. I mean, right. we do we do free estimates, um, free, you know, we, I call them an audit. Um, mm-hmm. And basically we're going to come in and we're going to look at the areas of your home that we can have access to. Most likely you have insulation in your walls. Right. And it's probably not the best type of insulation. It's probably an R13 or R11 bad, depending on how old it is, and it's probably lost a lot of that R value. However, it's still taking up the space inside that cavity. And there are some extreme measures that you can take to add insulation to that cavity, but I tend to dissuade customers from doing that because I always want to encourage you to do at, uh, you know, an upgrade that's going to put money back in your pocket. I don't want to encourage you to spend thousands of dollars that you're not going to see a return on that investment. So usually the areas that we can we, we can access is your attic. Almost always we can get into your attic and we can look at that insulation. Um, if your house is on a crawl space, we can almost always get into your crawl space. So those are the two main areas when it comes to retrofit. That's where we go first. You know, being that we're in the heating and air business, I, I you know, insulation comes up a lot in our business as well. And I've seen pictures where they've taken walls apart after, you know, many years down the road and the bats of insulation that were put in the wall have dropped like two feet. So the top two feet of the house all the way around virtually was not even insulated. So what would you, what would you do to kind of combat that? Is there something that you can do differently than that, you know, just a traditional kind of like rolled in type of insulation? Yes. um, You know, I would never use that rolled in or fiberglass bat material in an attic. And the, and the problem with that in that environment is, is that, you know, heat is rising. So in the wintertime, and, it, and as you know, you guys are in HVAC, it costs more to heat than it does to cool, typically. So, you know, in the wintertime, you're heating that home, that heat is rising, and it's looking for, for areas and, and pathways to escape your home. With a roll-in product, it's sitting there in between the rafters. So basically everywhere there's a rafter, we've got a break or a void in the insulation, a crack, if you will. And it's very easy for that heat to radiate through that and then escape your home. And as it's escaping, it's then creating a vacuum that's pulling in cold air, you know, that you're having to heat. And that's, that's where, you know, in, that, that problem uh, develops in efficiency. 
So by using a blown-in product, whether it be a blown-in fiberglass or a spray-on foam uh, you know, product, those things are monolithic. They cover the entire surface. We, we blow over the top of the rafters, so we have no voids. We have no breaks in our insulation blanket, if you will. Okay. So what kind of, like, so you, you've mentioned, you know, blown in, rolled in. You've, you've talked about, you know, closed cell, I believe you mentioned mm-hmm. some cellulose. What different types of insulation are there? Because I've heard open cell, I've heard closed cell, I've heard polyurethane. What, how many different types and what of those are recommended to actually, you know, put inside of a home? Good question. And, you know, I call ourselves a full service insulation company. So we use and we are proficient in the installation of all of the major insulation products used today and accepted by our you know our local building codes so i kind of start at the cheapest and work my way up to the best the standard roll insulation that is that is your cheapest product has been around for you know 50 years or more maybe maybe 100 years um, and it, you know, it is your, is your cheapest product, but it's also your least efficient. We use that um, when efficiency is not a priority or when it's just the, it's the only application that, that will work, which is, which is rare. Usually we can use something else. Stepping up from that, we have blown-in cellulose. I mentioned that before. It's a paper-based blown-in. You, you know, it's usually used in retrofit applications. If you have a wall cavity that has no insulation, we can drill and fill um, that exterior wall. In an attic, it's just loose fill blown across the top of your attic on top of your drywall. It's a good product. It's a very efficient product. It's very airtight. It works really well. The downside to it is is that it does deteriorate. It's a paper, you know, cellulose means, you know, it's a paper. Um, so it will deteriorate. It will settle in your attic and it will settle in your exterior walls. You know, you can overcome that by packing it tighter and that will, that will slow that process, but it is still going to deteriorate over time. Stepping up from that, we have blown-in fiberglass. That is the most common product used today in an attic. Um, It's a very good product. Um, The brand that we use is made from 70% recycled um, glass so that, you know, it is a green product. It's not all made from virgin material. And it it, it does not deteriorate because it's made of glass. It it will stand the test of time. If I blow 13 inches in there, which is an R38, which is what I recommend, kind of a baseline, um, it will be that thickness you know 20 years from now the downside to it is is that it is a little bit lighter uh, and fluffier than than cellulose and certainly than than spray on foam which we'll talk about in a minute so it is not quite as airtight as as i would like but it is still an extremely good product an efficient product and a very economical product you know stepping up to our you know our cadillac of products is spray foam i mean spray foam is the hottest um insulation product on the market a lot of a lot of building codes are being changed to basically encourage you to use spray foam because of how efficient it is. And we do have two types. We have open cell, um, which is about the product that we use is 3.9 R values per inch. And I'm only saying this not to make it complicated, but to explain the difference between open cell and closed cell. So open cell has a R value of 3.9 per inch. It's kind of like a memory foam mattress. It, you, you can push it. It's very soft. Um, we use that a lot in exterior walls. We use it in attics, dry environments. It does, does really well in. Um, and then we have closed cell foam. Closed cell foam is more than twice as dense as open cell foam. And the pores of it are completely sealed. It's made of little tiny individual little bubbles, if you will. And those bubbles are sealed, which gives it the characteristic you know, of, of being a closed cellular product. It will not let water through. 
certainly no air, no moisture vapor, nothing passes it. Sounds like a better insulating product. It is, and it is more than double the R value. Um, we can get you know close to like 7.3 per inch on, on, a, on a board foot uh, of, of R value. So it, it's a very efficient product, very hard, and we use that in environments where we're, we're concerned about moisture. It will not accept moisture, therefore it will not retain moisture, therefore there is no risk of mold. Mold is a big, you know, hot-button topic right now, too. And we would use closed-cell foam like in a crawlspace encapsulation where it's a dark, moist area, not a lot of air movement. We would use closed-cell foam because we know it will help us seal out the moisture and we don't have to worry about it accepting any moisture and creating a mold hazard. What about the diminishing values of closed cell foam? Does it ever break down or deteriorate over time? No, or? no. both of those foams um, are completely impervious to deterioration. The one thing that, that would deteriorate them, and, th and this does not play a factor inside a home, the only thing that will affect foam is ultraviolet, so, you know, the sun. Um, but by using it where it's supposed to be used and not exposing it to that, there's, there's really nothing that, that can deteriorate it or cause it to rot or lose its R value or anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, we, you know, of course, as you know, Josh, we, we're in the garage door business as well. And, you know, our, our Cadillac doors has closed cell foam, you yeah. know. So, and one of the things that, I mean, that, that I've seen, like, when our doors, when, when, those, when that's injected in there, it's almost like glue, yep. you know, because it glues that whole door together. And that, and that creates this, like, just awesome garage door. And I always thought, man, I, if I just took all these doors and lined my whole attic with it, I'd be in shape. <laughs> the, big, the biggest way that I always explain to people, like when, you know, in a, in a garage door, when you're talking about a vinyl back insulated or like a polyurethane style door insulated. So the difference between polystyrene, polyurethane is one's going to be that more traditional, like that foam that you can styrofoam. It breaks right. and falls apart, which would, you know, kind of translate to the to the uh, closed and open cells, you know, versus the styrofoam to the actual polyurethane. A lot, lot thicker, no, uh, far less gaps, mm -hmm. a lot better R value. So if I'm the average homeowner and I'm like, you know, I, I just heard what you told me about insulation. So if I stick my head up in the attic, I mean, what really should I be looking for to know whether or not I need insulation or I don't need insulation or it's deteriorated? Because I'm quite certain I'm not going to know the difference between cellulose and fiberglass, and I'm just going to be a big pile of mush that's up there when I stick my head well, up Well, considering what I've seen on his Facebook, I'm not sticking my head in the attic. I'm not sticking my head in a crawl space. I've seen snakes, you know, nope ropes is what I like to call them. I've seen spiders. So, yeah, I guess, you know, to his to his question, what would you look for when you, uh, when you do if you're brave enough to stick your head up there? Well, yeah, I mean – I guess the first thing I'd say is, is if you're uncomfortable at all being on top of a ladder or you're worried about safety, please, you know, don't, don't bother. Just, just call us and we'll come out. Like I said, it's free of charge and we'll, we'll, you know, risk our lives and we'll climb up there and we'll tell you what you're looking at. But if you do have access to your, to your attic, I mean, 99% of the time your attic is probably framed with at the most two by eight ceiling rafters, you know, which is about a seven and a quarter inch piece of wood if you can see the top of your rafter sticking above your insulation automatically you need insulation um, probably it's a two by six sometimes even a two by four so which is you know it's even shorter so if you, if you stick your head up there and you can see wood sticking above your insulation you you know you need it the other thing that you can look for is wind drifting 
you know, we install a new construction now. We, we put a baffle. It's called a, it's a baffle. Basically what it is is just a, a dam that goes out at the edge of the, of the home where the, the soffit starts, where the, the, the drywall ends and then kind of a little, little cliff there, and it falls into your soffit. Soffit is designed to allow air to come into your attic, and that's a good thing. We want that air. What we don't want is we don't want our insulation, you know, unchecked flowing into that area. So if you look, if you shine a light down toward the eaves and you see that insulation tape tapering off over there and you can see a lot of times drywall um, where there was not that baffle installed, you know that you need us to come in. We'll install that baffle and then make sure that your insulation is the right thickness all the way out to that to that eave point. Got it. So what, um, so, so on that point, you you know, now we know when we need insulation. What type of insulation should we use or, you know, when, like let's say we call you out for your um, for your, your in-home audit, as you like to call it, how are you going to go about recommending what type of insulation that we need um, to, to go with in our home? Well, usually it boils down to the design of your home and how your home was built. As I said before, I, I, I and, you know, you have to trust me on this. I know that there's, that there's a lot of homeowners out there that have been um, kind of cheated or, or screwed over, if you will, by by greedy contractors. And I really have made it my goal to not be that person and try to have enough facts and evidence to, to explain my proposal, my, what I'm suggesting that my homeowner do. And I'm going to look at the design of your home and I'm going to say, listen, if we use these products to improve your insulation in these areas, I think this is how I'm going to be able to give you the biggest return on your investment. In other words, I want you to spend the least and save the most. Got it. When so you, you're basically you want to present yourself as a professional, exactly, right? Not a fly by nighter. So, so if if you know, I mean, from what you said earlier, the the spray foam, the the Cadillac of insulation. So, if I've got the the most common, I mean, most houses I know don't have it, then and I'm like, Josh, I only buy Cadillac, you know, and I want spray foam in my house. So, what happens to all that other insulation in there? Well, we'll vac it out. We have to get rid of it. Um, and we have these these gigantic gas engine vacuums that are, that are sitting in our truck. I mean, and, and we use a six-inch hose that will run through your house and take it you know, into the attic. And we have these these bags, these vacuum bags that are the size of a pickup truck. And we will, we will you know, remove all of that. And that's honestly, that's a really good thing. You were talking about scary things that you've, you know, you've seen on my website that we found in attics and crawl spaces. You know, if your home is older... You know, an attic and a crawl space are two places that humans don't usually go. Unfortunately, animals and critters, they love those spaces. They're warm, they're dry, they're great places for them to hide out. During that insulation the makes great beds. It does. So, uh, you know, over, over the years, you can, you can get a lot of unwanted um, things added to that insulation. Um, that the animals leave behind. <laughs> so um, backing that out and removing that is, is, you know, it's it's healthy for the home. You know, we've had customers that call us and be like, listen, we found some nasty stuff up there. And we're not even talking about insulation efficiency anymore. We want that out because we want to improve the air quality in our home. Um, and so we can go up there, remove all that, and start from a clean slate. Uh, you, you've given one, two, and three reasons why I need to be calling builders insulation and not going up there myself. Do you have you do you have you ever vacuumed one out that you didn't find like tons of mice? No, I mean we always. I mean that's almost a given. And I right. mean with cellulose, you know it's very uh, packable, which is right. what we see a lot. You go up there and shine a light, and it looks like 
like you're looking at an interstate system a lot of times where these mice have worn, you've seen it, like spider right. web of paths through them. They have holes and tunnels, and they, they love that stuff. It's nasty, it's and, and I, I have it in my house. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Josh did spray the majority of our house, but part of it was very difficult, and we'd put that in there, and, and I have that in my I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a sign for a change. <laughs> well, so in, in the home, what walls do you want to insulate? Because I know we've got exterior walls. We have ceilings. You know, you've got one- and two-story houses. You've got houses that have, you know, crawl spaces and uh, interior walls, things like that. What walls are um, are must uh, – what walls must be insulated to, to have the most efficiency? What we're trying to do is we're trying to create the most airtight and efficient – we call it a building envelope. And basically, it's, it's, a, it's a bubble. Um, we want to make sure that – that we have a, a, a conditioned space and that we have sealed that conditioned space as, as best we can. So to answer your question, when it comes to walls, we want to insulate, of course, the exterior walls. But then, you know, a wall that oftentimes gets overlooked is the wall between the house and the garage. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people aren't sure, is that an exterior wall or is it an interior wall because I'm my garage. Your garage is not part of your conditioned space. Even if it's got an awesome you know, insulated garage door <laughs> that you guys have installed that really helps the garage. We can't call that part of the condition envelope because there's there's no connection with the HVAC system to the garage. So your exterior walls, the partition wall between the house and the garage, and then a, another area that I see that's overlooked quite often is if you have a basement, it's the rim joist in your basement. And basically that's the wood band where all of your floor joists terminate that sits on top of the concrete or concrete block wall. Okay. A lot of times that just, you know, people didn't want the insulation left exposed in an, un- in an unfinished basement. So you go down there, you shine a flashlight or turn a light on, you just see bare wood. If you see bare wood there, um, that's a, a very, very big area of air infiltration in a home. And by doing a minimal amount of insulation work, we can really help seal up the house quite uh, a bit. I, I know when I've looked at that, you he- even if it is insulated, it's usually somebody cut some bats and stapled <laughs> it up there, and it really is not doing anything. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't. I've looked at that and I've tried to figure out ways because I've built a few houses in my life, but I don't think that you can actually insulate that any other way than foam. I, would uh, agree. I mean, uh, I mean, and I'm not an insulation guy. I just, uh, I've just done it a little bit. So now with with those like. So you said exterior walls, basements, you know, things like that. Is there uh, a specific type of insulation that you would want? So, like, for instance, would you insulate the attic with a different type of insulation versus the exterior walls? Yes. Um, And, again, the exterior walls, what I would love to do is I would love to be able to to go in there and drill a one-inch hole So in in every cavity. So we're going to go around the exterior of your home. If there's nothing in that wall, um, in homes, I would say – constructed prior to 1985 there's a good chance there's nothing in those walls and if there's nothing in the walls honestly it's it's the best case scenario for that customer because i have i can use multiple products i can guarantee that we fill that cavity up completely with the right product uh, and i can promise them a huge return on their investment. It is going to it is going to make a radical difference in the way their home feels uh, and the way their their energy performs. So if if that's the case, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to suggest to them almost all the time, 
uh, is we drill a one-inch hole in each cavity. So your, your, your cavity is 16 inches wide. So basically every 16 inches around the whole perimeter of the home, I'm going to drill a one-inch hole. And through that one-inch hole, we're going to inject a high-density, it's a very finely shredded fiberglass. Um, and in a two-before wall, which is three-and-a-half inch thick, I can give them an R15. And I know that doesn't mean a lot to most people, but an R15 is, is two R values above what is standard in even a new construction. Most new construction homes built today are, are, are insulated with an R13 product. So if that's the case, I can go in there and do that. I can guarantee that that insulation will never settle. It will never sag. And there's multiple you know, other benefits to that fiberglass in that wall. Rodents don't like it, as we just talked about that being an issue. Mice don't like it. Um, and it's also very good when it comes to moisture. Fiberglass is kind of like an anti-sponge. It doesn't want to absorb moisture. So let's just say down the road you have a window flashing that fails and you get some water infiltration in there. You don't have to freak out and rip your drywall out and remove that insulation because you're worried about mold and rot. That insulation will just, it doesn't want that water. It will just, it, the water will pass through it and it'll either drain in or drain out depending on the situation, but it won't retain it long enough to create, a, you know, mold spores. So it might mess up my carpet, but my wall is fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a lot easier to replace the carpet. I, I got, I have a question. You mentioned that cross space encapsulation and... I, bu- I mean, I've been involved in several homes that with crawl spaces, and up until very recently, all of them, every single one of them, you know, you were required to put all these vents in there and leave everything completely open. And it all, I always wondered, like, okay, why am I insulating this floor, and now I'm leaving this big, huge tornado of air flowing underneath my house, but the government says that that's what I have to do. Yep. Can you can you explain that whole deal, why they said do it now, I mean, this way, and then now why we don't necessarily have to do that anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a handful of reasons, but I think they all kind of boil down to the fact that energy efficiency um, has not been as big of a priority as it is now ever before. You know, energy costs, it was so cheap to, you know, to, to buy energy, whether it be gas, electric, whatever, that we weren't really concerned with making our homes as efficient as we could, um, like we are now with rising mm-hmm. rising costs. Like you mentioned, up until just recently, when you built a house on a crawl space, you had to put those vents in every so often. You know, you had to insulate the floor system. Uh, and the idea was that building envelope that we talked about, it stopped at your floor. So basically everything in your crawl space underneath that, it was – it, it was treated like outside, like, you know, you had a foundation holding your home, but your building envelope stopped there. Right. Um, and, you know, honestly, that works in some climate zones. The problem with our climate zone is we have a lot of humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that humidity is, is, is allowed to, to come into that crawl space through those vents, and then it gets trapped in there. And it develops mold. It, it helps the, the wood system under there rot quicker. It makes the home, I mean, you've been in houses, I've been in houses where the crawl space has given the home an odor, the, right. whole, the whole home, and it's, it's not, not a good odor. No. So, you know, the, the, you know, the evolving building science uh, has now, you know, trying to steer us away. They've, they've gotten the codes changed. For a while, the building scientists were at odds with the code writers because they didn't want to give up their vents, and the building scientists people were saying, 
this is a really bad idea. We need to move away from that. We need to give homeowners another option. Right. And so now, it, and I tell people this all the time, if, if I have a homeowner crawl space, it will be an encapsulated crawl space. That, that is the only way to go in our climate zone. Yeah, and the other thing that we see, being that we do the heating and air work as well, is it really messes with the ductwork. I don't know what destroys it, per se, but, I mean, we, we go in houses, and, I mean, there's gaping holes wow. in the ductwork. I wow. mean, it, it is crazy. I mean, we sometimes have to replace the entire duct system under a house um, in these crawl spaces. And I, I'm assuming it's from the moisture or, or whatever, but but once there's holes in there, <laughs> I mean, it, it, anything can get in there. That's right. It, it's, it's crazy. Well, and, and what I tell people with an encapsulated crawl space, not only am I improving the efficiency of your home by, by adding an, a new insulation system that's far better, I'm also kind of killing two birds with one stone, if you will. I'm providing you with a waterproofing system. Right. That closed cell foam that we use, and if it's okay, I'll just give them a brief example or explanation yeah. of what an encapsulated crawl space is. So when we go in to do an encapsulation, we're going to put down a, a extremely thick poly down on the ground. Usually we, we like to use a 10 mil poly, which is, I mean, that's, that's thick. It's very thick. It's like a tarp. It's like a tarp. I mean, it's hard to puncture that. You have to right. you have to be trying to to, to, to to puncture it. We're going to cover the ground with that. We're going to seal our seams where we have to do them. We're going to seal around your posts and your supports. And we're going to take that, that poly over to the exterior wall, and we're actually going to bring it up the wall anywhere from six inches to a foot. And it's, just, it's, and it's kind of just sitting there. Then we're going to bring in our closed-cell foam rig, uh, and we're going to spray closed-cell foam. Uh, around two inches, a nominal two inches is what we're shooting for. And we're going to start at the ground, and we're going to seal that 10 mil poly to the wall and bring that foam all the way up, sealing that concrete or masonry wall, whatever type it is. And we're going to go up, we're going to seal the rim joist and bring that all the way up to the bottom of whatever your floor system is. Usually it's plywood. And so what we've done at that point is we have, as is the name, we've encapsulated that crawl space. We are locking out any moisture, any water from being able to enter that crawl space, either from the ground or through the wall. And we've stopped any unconditioned air movement from the outside in, into that crawl. So you block off all those vents. Exactly. We will take and we'll cut a piece of rigid foam board, mm -hmm. seal in that hole where that vent is, and then spray over it. You're controlling, you're controlling the own environment down there. Exactly. You know, I tell people, look at it, because people kind of get alarmed by that. Like, well, now I've, you know, I have no ventilation. What's going to happen? I said, well, let's just think about this. I like, I want you to think about your crawl space as if it was a basement. Mm -hmm. Are you, if you, if you have a basement, are you worried that you don't have vents letting in outside air all the way around it? No, you're not. You would, you would be alarmed if you had that type <laughs> right. of air moving through your basement. I said, so what we have to do now, and this is where you guys come in with, with the HVAC, is we we need to provide a little bit of air movement of of, of air conditioned you know, quality to that crawl space. Usually, if, if we can get it there, what I recommend is on one corner or one side of the crawl space, we install an air return, mm -hmm. you know, creating a vacuum. Then on the other side, we introduce a little bit of a supply, and they can be very small. We do not need much. Right. We just need a little bit of air changeover in there, and it helps that crawl space communicate with the rest of the house. So whatever the temperature that you keep your house, that's the temperature of your crawl space. Whatever the humidity level is in your home, it'll be the same. Um, if you have hardwood floors, you won't have to deal with 
those hardwood floors expanding and contracting as the seasons change. Right. Which which is a big problem around here. It'll it'll improve your entire home. Hmm. Now doing the encapsulation is that going to mess with uh, uh, those homeowners that could possibly have something like a sump pump or anything down there? No. Um, and and a lot of times you know when we do our evaluation we're going to look at. And, and there's a lot of signs that can tell us, you know, does this crawl space show evidence that it has a persistent water infiltration issue? And, and to what extent or what level of, of, of moisture infiltration are we dealing with? And a lot of times if we see water lines on the foundation where it's like this thing has gotten water in it quite a bit and it's happened over and over again, we'll recommend a sump crock system. And we'll put that the drain line to collect that water underneath our poly. Uh, and then we will seal our vapor barrier around that sump crock that you just mentioned. And basically what that does is it helps relieve what I would call hydraulic pressure from, you know, affecting our membrane. It keeps that water at, at bay. Uh, and it's, it's an, you know, kind of an added level of peace of mind. To, how how often do you actually see that in crawl spaces? Because I, I, I'm going to guess that a lot of cross spaces have that problem and, and homeowners actually had never know it. I would say, I would say that there is standing water at least three months out of the year in over 50% of existing cross wow. spaces. That's like a mold haven. That's yep. a lot. Yep. That sounds like a big issue. Um, well, that's actually a really, a lot of really good information as far as the encapsulation. It's a lot of stuff that, you know, my, personally myself didn't know which uh definitely you know appreciate you bringing that kind of stuff up but with the encapsulation with the types of insulation and stuff that you've uh, that you've mentioned whether it's the spray in or the blown in um how does the insulation itself uh whether it's the insulation um, upstairs in the attic or the encapsulation downstairs how does that make the home more energy efficient well basically you know every time that your furnace or air conditioner comes on you know there's a kind of like your electric meter starts turning, that's money that's being spent. Um, so basically, if we can kind of dumb it down a little bit, if we can reduce the amount of times that that furnace or air conditioning system has to come on, we are saving you money. And in the winter, that heat that you're trying to heat your home, it's, tr it's constantly trying to escape. And if it finds voids, if it finds cracks, if it finds areas that it can escape, and I would say exfiltrate the home, it will do it. And when it does that, it creates a vacuum in the home. That, that air has to be replaced. Where's that air going to come from? It's going to come from outside. It's going to be cold. It's going to be unconditioned. It's going to have to be conditioned. And that's where your furnace comes on, kicks on, and heats that new cold air on up. So we want to look for ways of tightening up that, that, that envelope, sealing up that bubble. Usually, though, when, when, when we go into a home where we need to improve the insulation in the crawl space, improve the insulation in the attic, we have seen, you know, tremendous change in their efficiency, improvement. We can save a average customer anywhere from 30 to 35 percent on their, their, their energy costs. Wow. That's so I got a, a one question. I've got a 13-year-old daughter. How do you insulate when she walks to the mailbox and leaves the door open <laughs> in the winter? I mean, surely you got a cure for that. Take the, take the electric <laughs> bill out of her allowance. That's, that's the only thing I know. I think they she, make doors. She doesn't understand <laughs> yeah. that that door closes. And, you know, I, I was only going out for a second. You know, I didn't need to close it. A, sec a second is all you need. <laughs> my my uh, 10-year-old, we just got a, a, a puppy. 
And, of course, that puppy has to be let out all the time. So it's his job to let the puppy out, you know, to do its thing right before bed. Well, I, I was already in, in my room ready to go to bed and said, hey, Judah, take the dog out. So he takes Louie out, comes back in. All right, Dad, I put him in his kennel. All right, good night, good night. I wake up the next morning, walk out. The front door has been standing open all night, two, about two inches. Do you think it's a school system issue? or well, I, At least I hope his walls. hope your walls are well insulated. That should help. You know, they, they need to go over that open and close issue. So I had nothing to do. I was just, it, it made me think of that. I'm like, you know, I got this great insulated house, and my kids leave the daggone door open. Yeah, that's anyway. that definitely should Sorry be Sorry to sidetrack you there, James. Hey, but. no, it's it is it's not a problem at all. So you you've you've brought up a lot of really good things, you know, whether uh, attic insulation, you know, walls insulation, encapsulation. There I know that there's going to be a, a lot of variables here, but I'll kind of let you uh, take away with this so uh, we uh, homeowners can uh, kind of understand what we're looking for. How much should it cost or what type of investment should we be looking for um, when we go to insulate our house? And you can kind of break that down in the, you know, the different types of insulation or what you would recommend or the encapsulation itself. Well, first thing I would say is that most of the time when we submit our proposal, the customer is surprised by how affordable it is. People expect to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, and that's just not the case. I always, you know, usually I'm able to tell the customer, like, look, I think, you know, that you're going to make this money back within two to three years. I've never, I've never seen a customer do a job where, and, and we try to follow up and do, kind of do a survey. Most of the time, the, the, the longest that will push out, like even if, even if we do a very expensive upgrade where we use a lot of foam, things like that, within five years, they've made that money back. And they've had a much more comfortable home and they've put a lot less miles, if you will, on their HVAC system. I mean, every time that furnace come on, it's like driving your car. Those are hours that it's running and it's going to wear out quicker. So by you know, improving their insulation, there's you know, multiple ways that it's going to, to benefit them. I hate, I hate giving, giving, you know, trying to give a customer an idea of what it's going to cost just because every home is different. But with the blown fiberglass, which, which is what I would usually recommend for your attic, most of the time that's what you're going to want to do. I can usually tell a customer it's not going to cost you less than or more than a dollar a square foot. So if you know, if you pull out your, your deed to your home and you find that you, you live in a 1,500 square foot ranch, that's pretty easy math. Crawl spaces get a little bit more complicated because it all depends on how, how tall that crawl space wall is, basically how far up out of the ground your builder constructed that home. I think before we started, we talked about how, too, how tight is, is too tight in a crawl space. You know, some crawl spaces are two concrete blocks high, which is 16 inches, so that's that amount of square feet. Some of them are six concrete blocks out of the ground. So crawl spaces, I would say, though, too, you're, you're not going to usually spend more than a dollar fifty a square foot on your in your crawl space unless you've just got a giant crawl gotcha and you and you mentioned something about you know the different types of uh you know it really just depends on the application and things like that but you wouldn't exceed a certain amount is there any type of you know when you're going when you're going to go around and cut those one inch holes in each cavity is there any type that you would not be able to service for example my house that we're currently in the process of remodeling is plaster wall, so it's got that metal mesh in behind there. Is that something that you would still be able to insulate as well? Yes, um, we're actually today uh, 
we're doing a big it's a condo project down in downtown louisville and it's an old old building and they're totally rehabbing it and we're drilling through that that plaster uh, with that chicken wire as we call it yes and it, i mean our guy our guys do not do not enjoy it trust me it's not fun but they make they make drill bits that allow us to drill through that and the great thing about about doing it that way whether it's drywall or plaster or whatever type of it is we're only drilling a one inch hole and in, in years past like when i first got into this business we didn't have the technology or the ability to blow through anything less than like a two and a half inch hole so we had to drill this big old hole, you know, and put hundreds of them in your in your walls if it's a you know large home. And then when it came to repairing that, we left the customer with a pretty big job. Because see you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's up to you. We are we are great insulators. We are terrible right. drywallers. But they had to go in and they had to, you know, if you know anything about drywall, you, we, they had to tape and mud over each of those holes, and that is a tall task. With the way we do it now. It's a one-inch hole. When we're done, we're gonna we have this this little handgun, and we inject this really hard, dense foam into that one-inch hole, and we it dries in a few minutes. So while we're cleaning up, it's drying. We come back and we cut that flush with the drywall. All that we leave the customer with is they take a putty knife and some quick spackle, and they just hit that one time, let it dry, sand it one time, and they can paint. They don't have to tape it and apply you know, multiple coats of drywall mud. It just really simplifies that part of the process. Uh, simplifying yeah. it's nice because I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. I am not a drywaller. It, <laughs> I know it's one, awful. One of the things that he didn't mention that, that I saw as a huge benefit when we did our house um, with the spray foam was noise. I mean, you literally can't hear anything outside that house. Now, I know that that's not part of the insulation deal, but it is a tremendous side effect in having that. I mean, unless you're standing right next to the window, you will never know what's going on outside that house. I mean, it is crazy. That's very true. And, you know, we get we get asked to, to help, come in and help, um, where we've got bedrooms on top of bedrooms, you know, in between floors, and, you know, you got – kids trying to you know older kids trying to sleep downstairs and the young kids banging around upstairs we can do the same thing inside your home we can go in and we can drill a small hole um, and just like vince said we can inject either foam or acoustical blown fiberglass into walls and ceiling assemblies and you know if you're if you're dealing with you know a lot of sound transmission unwanted sound transmission in your home like laundry rooms like i hate hearing my dryer run i hate hearing water run through my pipes you know, from from the you know second floor down to the first floor, every time somebody flushes a toilet or somebody's in the shower, we can solve a lot of those problems and make a make a big big difference. We can turn that volume way down on that problem. Yeah, see, and that's that's something that's nice too. So like, you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I don't like to hear the laundry or anything like that, but more so on that. Um, I've got one of those nice new fancy front loaders that likes to ding and sing a song for three minutes <laughs> right. every time it's done. So if we can shut that off, that'd, that'd be great. Or if, I, if you can tell me where to find the uh, the, I, the, the speaker. I mean, like what what would happen with me? And now when we go, if we if we go to a hotel, I mean, like you know, people you at one time used to be able to go to hotels. <laughs> But I mean, I can't sleep anymore because I'm like, man, there's like crazy noise everywhere, <laughs> and and my bedroom is like it's almost like a dungeon. You don't hear anything that's going on, the you know outside. I mean, it is completely silent. 
Anyway, I know he didn't bring that up, but that that was that impressed me as much as anything was like, my gosh, I can't hear anything. Well, yeah, like you said, it is it is a, it is a huge side effect. But so as as far as insulation goes, you know, for your for your average homeowner, is it a DIY project? Is this something that you know that we should attempt ourselves? Um, or you know, what what is your uh, what is your experience on that? Um, sometimes yes. I mean, sometimes it's 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 doable. Uh, I'm I'm never gonna gonna say that it's impossible or, or try to discourage somebody that that wants to try it themselves. There are like you can go to any of the box stores, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards. Um, they all offer the, the the rental machines, and you can buy your own insulation. I would you know the caveat to that you know the asterisk that I would put on that is is that you aren't gonna save as much money as you think that you are because we buy our insulation by the tractor trailer load. Um, we get it at a very discounted price, and we pass that benefit along to our customers. If they go to Lowe's or Home Depot, one of those places, they are going to spend three times, you know, on an insulation what we do. And, you know, and I would encourage a customer to put a price tag on your on their own time. Um, your time is valuable; it's worth something. And when you when you add all that together, uh, a lot of times you're doing a job that, you know, you're not a professional in, um, and you're spending time that you could be doing what you are really good at doing something that you're not good at that you haven't done before and you're really not saving the money that you think that you are uh, i can do a side-by-side comparison and the, the other thing i would warn people about is you go you go there and, and you know you've got you've got some guy helping you pick out the insulation and trying to figure out how many bales for example say you're going to you, you want to reblow your attic you want to add 12 inches of blown insulation in your attic. And so you're sitting there and you're trying to figure, okay, how many bales do I need? How many square feet do I have? Most of the time, you don't get what you need. You don't get enough. Uh, and, and you end up not accomplishing the goal that you set out to do, which was increase your efficiency and make your home more comfortable and save money. So if you're going to do it yourself, I, w- I would just encourage you to, to educate yourself as much as possible. Do, do your homework. Do your research. But then it never hurts to have someone such as myself come in and give you a comparison quote. Yeah, I know that the, the big trick there is uh, we'll give you the, the machine for free if you buy all <laughs> the product. And, and I've seen the numbers and, and I've seen sometimes where, you know, companies like Josh actually cost less yep. than what. And, and you don't when you find out after the fact, it's a little bit on the disheartening side to think that I just spent all day long insulating my attic he would have done it in a couple of hours, and I wouldn't have had to touch a thing. And the other thing about insulation, it's kind of like, it's kind of like water behind a dam. We're trying to build a dam to hold in your conditioned air, and you can, you know, you can build a really great dam. You know, if you're building a lake in your backyard, and if you have one void, you have one flaw in that, it compromises all the other good things that you did. Insulation is no different. You want to get up. You want to. You want to. You want to fix the problems in your attic, for example. You can. You can blow in great insulation. You know, and cover ninety percent, ninety-five percent of that surface area. But because you don't know exactly what you're looking at or what it needs to look like, and you 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 overlook a couple of areas that are that are problem areas in your attic that we would recognize because we've been doing this a long time, and you and you miss that. You know, you have you have not accomplished what you what you intended to. Right. So well, a, lot, a lot of what I'm hearing is that it's it, that you would you know recommend an expert because I don't want to not have the right product. I don't want to overpay. I don't want it to be done incorrectly. 
I don't uh, want to have to pay somebody to come back and fix it exactly. when I don't do it I'll right. I'll add in one more that hadn't been brought up is it is an extreme mess. <laughs> and and if you don't know what you're doing with that thing, you can create a, the biggest mess that you have ever seen in your life. Yep. And and then and lastly, as we deal with this in HVAC, um, and we spoke about how you know what time Josh works every day. And he's like, you know, I, I usually we're going at six o'clock. You know, when homeowners do it themselves, they typically don't start at six o'clock. And I don't know if you've been in an attic in July in Louisville. It's typically 150 degrees in that attic. That's right. You know, so, I've, I've had to climb up there a couple of times when the uh, the wiring for the photo wise in the garage is, you know, they're yep. messed up. So you have to climb up there. Mm-mm. No, yeah, it is very, very hot. Yes. So more more power to you guys. And that's, you know, to Vince's point, uh, one other reason why I wouldn't want to go up inside of an attic at any point, especially in July. The other thing about those machines, too, that Vince is talking about that you can rent, um, our machines blow in our trucks. They're huge, uh, and and they blow very very fast. We can blow about sixty bales an hour, so over a little bit over one a minute if we if we crank it up. The ones that you get at Lowe's, you you'll blow one bale about every fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, and what I've seen because I've seen them do this before. It's hard for the guy in the truck to keep up with the machine. Yep. If you get the one from Lowe's, you're taking a nap. Right. And waiting for the next one to to go. And right. if it's hot in that attic, you're dying up there waiting. waiting for right. Well, yeah. on that note, too, you mentioned earlier about, you know, having these vacuum bags the size of a pickup truck out there. So there's the removal. Do you get that same system from Lowe's to remove it? When you remove it, where's the bags? How do you take the bags off? What am I right. going to do with the old insulation that's up there that has to come out before the new comes in? Yeah, that is not a DIY thing. That That is not something that you, that you can rent or that's available to the average consumer. Um, and there's reasons for that. I mean, it's it's a it's a technical piece of equipment, and 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 so and it's very expensive. So yeah, that that is something that that you would not be able to do at all from a DIY standpoint. Got it. So uh, from step one, I, I'm going to be giving builders insulation a call. I don't I don't want to do any of that stuff. Um, so from your professional standpoint, you know, I, I'm needing needing this insulation. You know, like you just mentioned, like you know, different technical pieces. When should I look for a professional? At what at what point in time? Because I know that with the with the spray in or the uh, the foam insulation, that requires like you know like a like a spray gun, you know. And I've seen the videos and stuff that you guys post to your Facebook. They look like they're in full hazmat suits. When do I need a professional? Well, it never hurts. I mean, when you know to, to call an expert in and just find out what you're looking at. You know, I've I've said this five times already, and I'm going to continue to say it. Call me. I, there's my my quotes are free, and there's zero obligation. Uh, and I will tell you what you're. I will tell you whether or not. Hey, I think you need you need some insulation. I think you, your house needs some professional help. And then I'll leave that decision for you to make, as far as if you want to attempt to do some of it yourself, or if you would like us to handle it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you just won't know uh, until you you have someone come in there and kind of peel it back and kind of open up everything that we can, uh, and, and 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 expose it and find out what we're looking at. All right. Now, a lot, of, a lot of our times, um, you know, especially with myself, with Vince, with you, you know, with, with what we've got going on in a, in a, in a, in a day's time, it, it's hard to set aside, you know, okay, I'm going to need two hours here, I'm going to need three hours here. What kind of time frame are you looking at for, you know, insulating a house or uh, re-insulating a house? As we just talked about, you know, my equipment is, is very large. We, we want to show up. We want to do a good job, but we don't want to waste time. We don't want to be there taking up your time 
any longer than than we have to. We can generally blow a uh, standard attic, you know, average size attic. Um, once we get set up, the blowing part probably takes less than two hours. Usually, from from pull, you know, parking the truck to leaving, it's less than half a day. You can be in and out in the day then. Yes, sir. Oh, okay, that's that's very convenient. Very convenient. So, how would our listeners find a professional uh, home insulation contractor here in our area? I mean, the internet is a great place to start. You know, seems like that that becomes the has become where most people go. Um, for example, if you if you research, if you just type in spray on insulation, Louisville, Kentucky, myself and a couple other companies are going to pop up right there at the top of the list. There's you know, I know that we have we, we post reviews, we post ratings. We're a member of the Better Business Bureau, all of those things. You want to use all of those those methods to kind of filter through uh, and, and find find a couple of them. Uh, I do not mind at all to have, you know, someone quote me and, and my competitor. Um, we are very competitive. You know, our quality speaks for itself. Our, our customers all, you know, will vouch for that. We have a very good rating with the Better Business Bureau. We have no complaints. But use those methods to, to, to find a couple and, and, and call them and have a couple quotes done. I, I also tell people, you know, trust your gut. When you, when you invite a, a professional, so-called professional out, what's your impression? A lot of times, you know, you can, you can learn all you need to know just by talking with the salesman. Absolutely. All right. Well, we uh, we're we're breaking in very close on our uh, one hour kind of target. Uh, I will say it's been extremely helpful. I've learned I've learned a whole lot myself, and you know, and as I've said, I w- I've used Josh a few times in the past. I'm pretty familiar with his operation. I would say, you know, when you're going to look for one, look for somebody to do it, and you are in Central Kentucky, anywhere in Southern Indiana, don't even waste your time. Just call him. I don't bring anybody on here that I don't use myself or I wouldn't be willing to use or and I don't know. Um, the Most of our listeners have all used our services at, from time to time. So, uh, you know, there's really, it, in my mind, there's not another option. So, and, uh, I mean, we, we appreciate you coming on and sharing all that with us. I, I mean, I think it was a, extremely helpful. Especially, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff I really didn't know uh, about when I needed to add insulation. But uh, anyway, I appreciate your time today. Well, and that's, that's like here. you said, the purpose of this is to, to bring this information to our uh, to our homeowners and, you know, every, everyone in our area. Um, so that, but again, you know, like on uh, what Vince said, we do appreciate you coming on and, you know, giving us uh, um, some insight to your experience and knowledge in this industry. And we definitely appreciate it. I so, appreciate the invitation. So if uh, if listeners want to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way? I mean, what, what's your contact information? My email, cell phone, um, I'm happy to give all that out. My website, we have a, a contact us page on our website. Okay. Uh, and I can give all that to you, and you can share that on your all right. podcast. All right. We will definitely get that up. Look forward to uh, working with you in the future. Thank you, Vince. I look forward to uh, assisting you guys and your customers. All right. And uh, to the listeners, we appreciate you all listening. Um, we've got more episodes to come. You know, Share and like it. Thank you all very much. <laughs>